Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. We're back. Episode two of the KO'd Convo. How are you doing today? My name is Keenan O'Doherty, and I got a good one for you, ladies and gentlemen. I have a guest. Can you believe it? I have a guest. I got one. And not any sort of guest, as Charles Barkley says on the Steam Room podcast with Ernie Johnson, a special, special guest. His name is Chuck Hogan, and he is a neurostrategist with over 18 years of experience in helping people live their best lives. He is one-third of the group Your Best Life, or YBL, and he happens to be one of Tony Robbins' senior trainers. Now, I met Chuck at a Tony Robbins event in Miami uh, in November of 2019, and I was able to catch him during one of his breaks, and he taught me more things in 15 minutes than I have learned in an entire year at school. He is amazing. Amazing. I am so honored to have him on today and to have you listen to our conversation because honestly, I think there are some things that we talk about that you could take away and apply into your own life as I have in mine. And he teaches me something new every time I talk to the man. I'll tell you that much. But his energy levels are through the roof. He is Mr. Energy. I wish my energy levels were matching his right now. I know they won't, and that's okay. Anyway, you can catch Chuck at any Tony Robbins event in person. I know the circumstances don't call for that right now, but... If you ever go to a Tony Robbins event in person, you can catch Chuck as the first person on stage dancing his butt off to whatever music he hears, leading the crew, and gets you out of your seat, gets you moving, and it's awesome. It is absolutely awesome. So I don't want to waste too much time on the intro here. I want to get straight into it. So we're going to take a quick, quick break, and then we'll be right back with Chuck Hogan. quick question regarding the tony robbins event so were you able to go to the virtual uh Mm -hmm. upw how was that it was phenomenal i was a support trainer at that event um you know it's it's a really a true testament to show that you can actually still hold a high value high content high charged environment even when you're not all communed in one room so there don't have to be you know 10 15 thousand people in an environment in order to create a, an unbelievably magical event. And so through the use of technology and through Zoom, which is what we're on right now, brilliant to be able to go ahead and commune together. Um, tons of people were touched. In fact, I would dare say that there were 28,000 people, or excuse me, 25,000 who signed up. We probably had between 50 and 65,000 people actually participate in the event. Unbelievable. Yeah. So. When you start to look at being able to touch more lives, 
in planting new seeds and helping people find a little bit more of themselves. Really, there, I, I couldn't have imagined that it would be this great and moving forward, it's only going to have even that much more impact. Yeah, and, and let's talk about that whole uh, helping people uh, find their best lives or live their best lives and finding their best self. Well, when did that really strike a chord in you of, oh, I'm actually super interested in this. You know, this is something I really want to do. I really want to support people and help people. Well, you know, to be honest with you, I think it's been, I believe it's been happening my entire life. Uh, from the time I was little, I loved helping people. I loved helping support people. Um, I was always that kid that people felt like they could talk to. And then it was kind of weird because even when I was in middle school and high school, adults would talk to me, like sit down and we'd have full like on conversations. And I was always, I'll say an old soul trapped in a young body and being able to commune and connect. I found that if you really were present for people <clears throat> and listening with a whole heart, it was remarkable what would come to you in the simplest of questions, what it would emote in other people. So when I had a chance about 20 years ago to get into the Tony Robbins environment, I went because of business. I didn't even know, I, I was going because of business. I had a business partner living in Denver, Colorado, part of a mortgage brokerage company and a, a partner in the, in the company. And we said, hey, let's go to this event. This could be great for us. Because we were always looking at, you know, we were reading all these books by Napoleon Hill and Malcolm Gladwell and, and Jim Rohn and, and Carnegie and so on. And we're like, hey, yeah, there's this book, Awaken the Giant Within from Tony Robbins. And it hit me. First day of the event, I signed up for Mastery University. Like, just for me, it resonated. It's like they do not teach you this stuff in school. They don't teach you this in college. They don't teach you about, unless you're a psychology major, but even then, you don't learn the pragmatics of what the neuroassociation, the neurolinguistics programming, the neuroassociate conditioning, how we are cultivated, how we are cultured, how we actually make decisions, how we actually create the whole process for ourselves. And I've been hooked ever since, but it's not just Tony's stuff, it's everyone's stuff. Because if it can help enhance people's lives, See, I believe what you're doing, brother, and what I'm doing are the exact same thing. And that's why we're on this, this, you know, this collaboration today. It's about communing together and taking best practices and enhancing the world. It's not about change work. No one needs to change. No one's broken. No one needs to be repaired. This isn't about that. This is literally about showing up fully congruent and living your best life. Then that's one of the reasons why, you know, Darren and Tony and I, when we committed to make, creating this company together, said, what is it we want to do? What is it we need to do? We said, you know what we need to do? We need to make an impact and show people that through caring and sharing and best practices and creating a community of people together, you can live unbelievable lives. Because why do you just want to survive? And you asked a question earlier, where do I find people living right now? Well, between the election, between politics, between social practices, businesses being impacted, COVID, this has put the earth on its, on its ear. Mm -hmm. It really has changed the way that we look at life. And I had someone ask me, they go, hey, so how are you doing with all the changes? And I said, that's a great way to put it. And they go, well, you didn't answer me. I said, no, that's a great way to put it. The world is constantly changing. What COVID did is it forced everything to change faster. 
It made people pivot. It made them stand up and take notice. Because when you get hit in your wallet, you feel it. Inconvenience is one thing. Life-altering is another. And so that was part of the paradigm. It's like going, huh, what if? What's the shift? What is the difference? And the truth is life is happening to you or for you. And they go, well, COVID happened to me. I said, no, COVID happened. And now you need to look at what the opportunities are because it's hit. And maybe it's time to make a change. Maybe it's time to hunker down. Maybe it's time to work harder. Maybe it's time to have more emotional muscle and not just physical prowls. See, a lot of people go, I'm getting physically fit. And I go, that's beautiful. Are you getting emotionally fit as well? Are you spiritually well? Hmm. Because it's body, mind, and spirit, brother. It's not just one thing. So, and, then, and then you can start to split it too and go personally and professionally. Because we have different optics when we look at it that way. Exactly. And for, for all the listeners out there, I just want to make a point here. I want you to listen to the language and, and verbiage that Chuck is using because and that one of the things he preaches is using the right language, right? When, we, when uh, Chuck and I first met at, in uh, Tony Robbins' event, uh, I believe November of 2019 in Miami, one of the first things he taught me was using the right language. That's why he used uh, life-altering instead of inconvenient. That's why you use in the past instead of all this, all this different language that can really just up the conflict, I think. So uh, just asking, do you think there's a lot of misuse of the language? Do, do you think there's an underappreciation of what the language actually is when people are trying to live their best life? Definitely. And part of it has to do too with your conditioning, the environments that you grew up in. You know, there's language that's used in certain social circles and within even cultural circles that's taboo for you and I to use, and but completely acceptable for other groups to use. And that's perfectly fine. That's how they commune. That's kind of like, you know, being a member of the club, so to speak. You know, you're too young to remember this, but there's a, uh, this group called um, uh, the Little Rascals. And the Little Rascals, so they're spanking out alpha and buckwheat you probably know you know buckwheat from being eddie murphy or something but <laughs> but there was a show and there was these little kids and they had this thing called the high sign and it was like you know they had the he-man woman haters club and it's like all this stuff from back then but they had their own language they had their own culture and so you have racial cultures you have um socioeconomic cultures of caste systems of you know, they go, oh, are you lower class? Are you medium class? Are you upper medium class, lower middle class? Are you, you know, upper class? Upper class in what? Oh, you're talking finances. Are you saying in mental aptitude? Are you saying in emotional well-being? See, we use these measurements and where things get confusing, no different than the use of language. So if I asked you today and I said, hey, brother, how's the weather out there in Columbus? And you would tell me what? It's beautiful. It's sunny. Okay. What's the temperature today? 70 degrees. 70 degrees Fahrenheit? Fahrenheit. What would that be in Celsius? No clue. <laughs> and, and, and so this is my point. If I was speaking to someone in the UK and they said it's 16 degrees or 20 degrees, I'd be like, oh, is that comfortable? 
because we're commuting in Fahrenheit, they're commuting in Celsius. The temperature is still the same temperature, but the numbers are different. The language is different. So language makes a big difference. And one of the largest parts of this is, is that when we're making connection with people is having an understanding and appreciation of how to create that link. Because if I told you 20 and you're like, going, oh my gosh, that sounds frigid. Is it almost ready to snow there? And you're like going, uh, no, it's gorgeous here. You got, oh, it's 74. Are you on the surface of the sun? Because that sounds like freakishly hot. My point in being is, but if I say, no, it's a gorgeous day here. It's sunny outside and it's a beautiful sweater weather. Or it's short sleeve weather. It's perfect time to take the dog walk in the park weather. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Or if I say, oh, I woke up and it was brisk and crisp this morning. The leaves are starting to change already. It was a beautiful fall day. It's going to warm up and be amazing afternoon. You'd be like, huh, wow, that's different. But we understand each other, don't we? So it's making sure that the languaging that we're using meets and exceeds the level of expectation for the person that we're having the communication with. Otherwise, we're having a, a superficial communication. But when you take the time to ask for clarifiers, and it's not ego that's driving the conversation, but actually connectivity, and I say, you know what, brother? Thank you. So 70, 75, 76 degrees, that's, oh, I wonder what that is in Celsius. Let me look it up real quick on Siri so that way I can relate to it. Oh, yeah, man, that's a gorgeous day. There you go. Exactly. Um, and, and I, the, the language that we use always gets often miscon misconstrued too, which is just the way that we, we do communicate with others. And if you think about it, the human, human interaction is one of the most important things ever. With, yes. Oh, ever. Um, I've learned. Text, uh, text is where it really gets misconstrued. Yeah. Because people use abbreviations, emojis, this, that, and the other. And it's like, again, a picture says a thousand words, and an emoji can actually mean something to someone else that it doesn't mean to you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Everybody interprets something completely different. So Exactly. So uh, I do want to talk about this, and, and I know that you're huge on the arts. You love, you love everything about all, all the arts, whether it be music, plays, all this other stuff. But I, I want to talk about here... Tony always talks about, and I guess you talk about too, achievement as a science, yet fulfillment as an art, and how achievement mm -hmm. has become more of a science, whereas fulfillment is more the beautiful creation and art and all this other stuff. Why don't you go into that a little bit more? Sure, I'd be happy to. So, you know, we call it the science of success. So achievement, because achievement is a benchmark, right? It, it's one of those things that I go, oh, well, I'm achieving uh, more artistry in my life. So I often say it's the science of success and the art of fulfillment. Now, why? Well, we'll use this example. If I happen to be in Warren Buffett's office, and let's say I'm a very intelligent fly, and I'm there for gathering information, and I'm sitting on the wall, and I'm watching Warren Buffett, and I go, ooh, Apple. He's buying some of that stock. Hmm, maybe I'll buy some of it too. Well, there's arguably, there's nothing 
artistic about that. If I bought when Warren bought and I sold when Warren sold, I'd probably make a little bit of money. But that doesn't mean I'd be happy. So the artistry comes in from asking yourself, what is it that you're doing that supports how you want to feel? So within the world of Robbins, Tony created this ideology called an RPM. And it's a results planning method. Some people call it a rapid planning method. And here's what's cool about it. You find out your purpose. So why? Well, why would you do anything is how we do everything. So if I say, okay, so why do you donate time as a trainer in the Robbins environment? Well, because it fills me up to a great degree. I learn a lot. So I'm growing, I'm stretching, I'm expanding, and I feel amazing anytime I'm doing any of those things. So I have a really strong purpose, contribution, love, gratitude, connection. Here's what gets a little sketchy. Many people go that, what do I need to do? What are my outcomes and goals in order to meet that purpose? And then what mammoth action am I gonna take to meet those goals? Well, here's what happens though. And I'll ask you a question so we can actually get very clear on this. If I were to ask you, hey brother, how do you wanna feel most often? And you would tell me? Happy. Beautiful. So what are some of the goals and outcomes that you can come up with that, that would make you feel happy? Oh, um, well, to, I guess, smile more often. <laughs> okay, no, which is great. And you have a great smile. Thank you. And, and, and what else? To use positive language. Okay. Now, I want, I'm going to ask you a quick question. Sure. Are you in your head or in your heart right now? Oh, that's all head. Oh, yeah. That's all so head. So now we would start to make an action plan to do a lot of things to meet these goals, right? Based on what our, our purpose is. Right. I'm going to ask you to put these away for a moment because this is the problem or the challenge that people hit. And I'm gonna show you a way around this real quick, real quick. So when we find our purpose to be happy, I'm gonna ask you, what direction do you need to go in in order to feel happy? Forward. Beautiful. What state do you need to be in? Who do you need to remember who you are and what you stand for and what you're willing to let go of in order to be happy? I want to say flow, but I'm not sure if that's the right, the correct. Right. So here's a trick. Sit the way that you sit when you're feeling happy. <laughs> breathe the way that you breathe when you're feeling happy. Yeah. Get in that heart space, not the head space. Head dead, heart smart. Now when I ask you, what are your goals? Because now you're in a different state. Ooh, see, I can see the shift in your body already. You're not in your head right now. Mm-mm. No, you're feeling it. You're like going, yeah, man. So when I go, what needs to happen in order for you to feel happy? You go, oh, see a sunset. Take a walk with my girl. Go have a nice meal. You know, uh, spend time with great people. Have wonderful conversations. Be congruent. Use positive language. Now, when I start doing my doings, it all feels so much better because it wasn't a head decision. It was a whole body experience. And the commitment that you made was based on going in the right direction. Here's what happens. And this is the reason why I'm stipulating this way. What happens if you don't meet your goal? If you're, so if you say, I, my purpose is to be happy and live a, a 
beautifully productive and fruitful life, right? Right. Okay, and, and I go, okay, well, so what happened? So do you say you're successful or a failure? Well, then you would say you're a failure. Ooh. But that's... Head to, yeah, that's right. Why? Because you made a set of outcomes based on thinking about what is going to get you your why, your purpose. When you change it and you go, hey, so my brother, anytime you're going forward, right? So if you went a millimeter or a mile, when you're headed in the right direction, you celebrate all of it. You don't criticize it. You go, I'm making progress. I'm making growth. I'm moving forward. Here's the beautiful part. What happens if you're headed in the wrong direction? You realize, you realize that you're heading in the wrong direction. And you make a U-turn or a left turn or a right turn, or you take a detour. See, you don't judge whether you're headed in the right direction. You are manifesting because it's something that it's, it's being. Now, when I'm in the right state and I go, I'm not going to be judgmental. This isn't right or wrong. This is about my journey. This is about my life. This is about growing. This is about cultivating. Now, when I make my actions, I'm happy anytime my feet hit the floor in the morning. I'm happy anytime I take a breath and then my eyes awake. I'm happy anytime, anytime I get to sit down and hug and share energy with another human being. I'm happy when I get to close my eyes at night and dream beautiful dreams. Dang, man, you're happy a lot. Yep. And the easier you make it to be happy in the doings, the more you're going to feel connected. This entire lesson is on one hand. And here's what's beautiful. The reason why your purpose is so strong, what happens without a purpose? Your outcomes and goals, your life, your dreams, your aspirations, your, your happiness can be taken away from you. When you have a strong enough purpose, they will have to pry it out of your dead, cold hand in order to take your purpose away from you. So having a strong purpose is imperative. Going in the right direction, unbelievably important. And so for your younger viewers, this may be, not be as apropos, but I'm going to do it anyway. What happens? If you don't have a strong purpose, you're not heading in the right direction, and you don't have, this is the state that you're living in. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And people call it stuck. And I go, well, if you put an F in front of it, it has a whole different language pattern. Because what happens is, is that if you're not remembering who you are, if you're not remembering what you need to let go of, you're going to have a really difficult time in being in the right state that's going to cultivate you because the decisions that you're going to make are going to be logistically, they're going to be blueprint goals, outcomes, if you will, but they're not coming from the core of you. Got to mean? not survive. That's it. It's about thriving, not surviving. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so quick, quick, uh, 
perspective question on this. Do you think that there nowadays there's more of a lack of of mentorship among among young adults? Mm. I I believe that there has been a proclivity in businesses to hire for pedigree. Where'd you go to school? What's your degree in? How long did you intern at this company? Um, do you have recommendations? And real or unreal, because that's what people are using as a metric to go ahead and measure worthiness. Where I find a lot of companies would be well served is if they actually provided a disk model or spiral dynamics. And so that way it shows where these people are living. Are they more thriver strivers? Are they more doers? And the other part too is are they artists? Are they leader managers? Are they entrepreneurs? Because when you can identify someone's nature, it's far easier to help bring them into the proper environment. There are many people who have cultivated skills to be able to be a manager, but they're an artist. They've learned to be a manager, but they don't enjoy it. They don't thrive in it. They're not into processes. They're not in, that's not what they do. They're more big picture. And they love creating the relationships. Then you have the entrepreneurs. They don't give a fly and flip how it gets done. They're there to take the risk and put the right people in place and make sure that it happens. So when you start to understand this, so, so to your point, in, in regards to mentorship, because things have become so instantaneous and because there's so many people who are striving to have their pound of flesh, so to speak, they want to know that you're paying for yourself. They want to know that, you know, you're not just a paycheck, that you are a thriving, driving, striving human being that has these abilities to be able to meet their level of expectation. And so I would concur that if they were to use this little process of figuring out what the purpose of the role is within the company or the organization, the direction that they're going in, what's required as far as the state management is concerned. Because they go, oh, well, you're in front of the computer for 10 hours a day. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the person, right? But if someone said, oh, you're out on heavy equipment working a loader all day long or a forklift. For some people, I go, dude, I'm a doer. That's right in my wheelhouse. Let me loose. Where's the equipment? I'll make it happen. Others, I go, oh, no, 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 no. I'm better at the planning than the execution. And then there's the guy who's going, I'll fund the whole thing. Here's the deal. I'm bringing the deal to you. Now I need the manager leader, the project manager to run it. But I still need the designer. I still need the architect. I still need the engineer. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's having people who understand what those silos are as far as personnel is concerned and making sure they're in the right positions, number one. Number two, then there's the mentoring aspect. There's this ideology of, oh, you went to Harvard Business School, you went to Wharton, you went to Columbia. You should know this already. Know what? Were you my professor? Did, were you sitting in the back of the class? Because the curriculum they taught us isn't anything that you learned 30 years ago. So it's a different set of metrics and optics. Again, Fahrenheit and Celsius, but we need to clarify what is it exactly 
Do you need to be Sig Sigma certified? Do you need to have you know credentials in Microsoft algorithms or um, Google platforms or you know what what is it that's the requirement? Because if they have that education, then you can manage expectation. But if they have a general degree in something, you better get specific as to the aptitude and their ability to be able to perform to your level of expectation. And know what drives them, know what their purpose is, know what direction they're going in. And if there's value alignment. There you go. Chuck Hogan, always teaching me something new every time I talk to the man, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for co coming on the Chaotic Convo. I know I know you're a busy man, so so you got other stuff you got to do. But I really appreciate appreciate you coming on. It's a pleasure, brother. Anytime. Hey, thanks for tuning in and taking a listen today. If you want to learn more about our guest Chuck Hogan, please go check him out at his profile on yblsnow.com, yourbestlifestrategist.com. Thank you for tuning in today to the KO'd Convo. We'll see you next episode. Immersive music, take us home. Oh, oh, oh.